Hey, potential podcast listeners, let's talk about today's sponsor, Let's Get Checked. Let's Get Checked makes professional health testing easy by letting you get tested without having to visit a healthcare provider. You can order a testing kit that will be delivered to you in discreet packaging. Once your sample arrives in the laboratory, confidential results will be available from your secure online account within two to five days. These results are reviewed by a clinician, and a member of the Let's Get Checked nursing team may call you to review your results. And Let's Get Checked laboratories are CLIA approved and CAP accredited, which are the highest ranking levels of accreditation. So, if you want to avoid an uncomfortable office visit or prefer the convenience and get tested at home, visit trylgc.com potential and get 25% off your test using code POTENTIAL25. Once again, that's 25% off your test by going to trylgc.com potential using the promo code POTENTIAL25. Take charge of your physical health and well-being, and let's get checked. Reviewing the latest in movies, TV series, video games, books, and more, this is Potential Picks. Hello and welcome back to another edition of Potential Picks. I'm your host, Chris Dewar, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host and fighter of fascism, Taylor Sokol. Uh, Today we're reviewing the brand new stop-motion animated musical fantasy film, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. This was a screenplay by del Toro with Patrick McHale and directed by del Toro and Mark Gustafsson. So, um, look, this was crazy. This whole last year, there's been like multiple Pinocchio films. You all know how we felt about the Disney one. If you didn't go back and watch it, we, we, we made that very well known. And if, uh, yeah, if you didn't hear our most, uh, you'll, you'll hear on our best and worst for both of us. It definitely hit the worst of the year of 2022, but we're excited to check out this version. I mean, Del Toro, he's been no stranger to dark fantasy, uh, finding ways to mix fantasy with real life things, uh, especially a, a movie like Pan's Labyrinth, uh, where we had this great movie with the backdrop of some really dark stuff. And this movie takes the adventures of Pinocchio that you know, the based on the Italian novel by Carlo Collodi, uh, but really does enhance it to some real world stuff that was going on during World War II. So, Taylor. What is a brief synopsis of... So in the reimagined story of Pinocchio, Pinocchio. Uh, the title wooden puppet who comes to life as the son of his carver Geppetto, a story of love and disobedience as Pinocchio struggles to live up to his father's expectations, learning the true meaning of life, and as you kind of hinted at, set in the backdrop of fascist Italy during the interwar period and uh, World War II. So yeah, right off the bat, I was, I'm a sucker for stop animation and claymation, things like that, because I know how much work goes into that. It is a lot of, a lot of work, a lot of prep, a lot of filming. So I was pretty excited about this one. And to be honest, this couldn't come at a better time to kind of cleanse the palate of the previous Pinocchio with Disney. Uh, you know, I think what we agreed on the original animated Disney classic in 1940 that had a good mix of, 
you know, fun, family friendliness, but also a bit of dark adult, you know, themes. Um, whereas the new Pinocchio is more about the pizzazz and this one, I think Guillermo Toro did the best of both worlds. As you said, he has a great uh, sense of that wonder, but also that mysterious and, you know, darkness. And I was very surprised how dark this Pinocchio tale was. Well, yeah, I mean, right off the bat, not really a spoiler, I guess you could say, uh, as this has kind of been part of the legend for so long is that Geppetto had a son uh, who dies and somewhat from that loss, uh, eventually he carves Pinocchio and then the story of this puppet coming to life. And, you know, if you look at the Disney version, it's like, okay, we have him trying to go to school, he gets caught up in the whole performing situation with the fox and the cat and Stromboli and then eventually Pleasure Island. There's parts of that in here, but it's, again, more realistic. We don't have these uh, animals. I mean, there is a... One of the main characters is a monkey, but it's not like the monkey talks, although there is a kind of fantasy thing where the monkey uses other puppets to talk um like i I remember even looking at the cast list and we're gonna get to cast here because it's a quite a stacked cast of voice actors um i remember seeing kate blanchett was listed here as spatsatura who is the the monkey and i was like did they cast this amazing actress just to go you know and i was like (laughs) oh i see there's a point to when she actually gets to talk talk in english um but yeah, there's some dark stuff in here. And I think really the it's again taking that fairy tale, setting it to a backdrop that is realistic, uh, fascist Italy. So you, instead of having Pleasure Island, you have kind of more going to uh, this kind of carnival uh, setting. There's where the puppet show is, um, even having kind of the the dark fun of a boot camp for young boys to join the fascist army of Italy. Uh, stuff like that, where again, it it still plays into the elements that of the Pinocchio that we know, but makes it more realistic. But then there's also like far fantasy in this, where for some of you've seen the poster, some imagery from the trailer, there are, you know, we have the blue fairy, and in this, the blue fairy is more of this kind of wood sprite type, you know. Again, with the stop motion, when they have like the light on this fairy, it looks so cool. And you're like, that's clay. And somehow they they made this all look that way. But she also has a sister, Death, who we meet throughout the, the film. So that was interesting to me, kind of taking the darker spin that Pinocchio is a character that once given life will die multiple times throughout his adventures. And he always comes back to life. So in a weird like Death Day situation where... Sometimes, whether because of his mischief or because he's being heroic, um, he dies, kind of goes to this dark place where the black rabbits are playing poker. And then all of a sudden he ends up in another (laughs) place and he gets to kind of try life again. That was an interesting concept, too, of of life and death throughout this film uh, from both a human standpoint and from the eyes of this puppet. And yeah, talking about um, casting, just coming right, right into it, you know, you have an exceptional cast list. Uh, as we said, Kate Blanchett, um, we've got um, always great in these more villainous, curmudgeon roles. David Bradley, we know from uh, Harry Potter, Game of Thrones, him playing Geppetto, I thought was really great. I think he played a really good kind of curmudgeon uh, sort of Geppetto. And you, you get a lot of depth from his character as he's kind of suffering with the loss of his son and 
um, how he kind of builds Pinocchio as more of a desperation. Out of madness almost at one point, which I loved. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, the scene is like almost Frankensteinian, Stinian, whatever. Um, we got Finn Wolfhard, John Turturro, uh, Tim Blake Nelson, and Christoph Waltz playing Volpe, who's the kind of one of the kind of secondary antagonists. There's quite a few like antagonists, I, th- I guess yeah. uh, you would say. Um, and then Ron Perlman, uh, and Tilda Swinton as the wood sprite and her sister, Dev. Um, and we, one thing that we can Ewan see McGregor yeah, as, what, as, as Sebastian J cricket, which I, I, I can't remember if in the, is, is it Sebastian J cricket in the Disney one? And he just goes by Jiminy. Is that the, what the J stands for? It's always been Jiminy. Um, I think they've changed it for this one. It was always in the original tale was always known as the cricket or cricket. Um, I think we always know Jiminy mm-hmm. cricket, but maybe that's what the J the stands for. Cause they don't say it in this one, but I really liked what Ewan McGregor did for this Jimmy Cricket. He's just kind of like, he's kind of doing his own thing and he kind of gets roped into this um, where, and I, you know, we've got so many great, um, you know, the original from the 1940. And we, we said that we really enjoyed. Oh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Yeah. We had Joseph Gordon-Levitt and, but I really like what Ewan McGregor did for this. It's kind of funny. The back scene, he was like, I was going to like create this accent, but it was like, did sound good. So I just went for my, my normal voice, but he did a no, yeah, job. it works with his normal voice. And I, I like this idea of he's a writer and he's trying to come up with this this story and just wants to find a peaceful place to do that. And in the end, it's uh, the, the sprite, the fairy asking, well, can you, if you help this boy, try to stay clear of, you know, any wrong and steer him clear of any, you know, temptation, I'll grant you one wish. And he's like, ah, well, uh, I could use that. And of course the chaos of not knowing what this, this puppet's going to get him into. And they also play with, you know, humorous elements of this is for it being stop motion. It's still an animated type of movie where sometimes things happen and uh, in a cartoonish way where a character doesn't die or um, especially Sebastian, he gets knocked around and stepped on and all kinds of things, but he doesn't ever die, which I thought was kind of, was funny and kind of clever. But as you said, yeah, Christoph Waltz playing Count Volpe, he really is kind of like one of the main bad guys. Um, and I like that what they did was instead of having this kind of fox character, his hair looks like fox ears. Um, Volpe means fox in Italian. So they kind of were combining Stromboli and the fox and kind of the temptation of, of, of show business and how, you know, he'd ultimately uh, wants to use Pinocchio for wealth and all this kind of stuff. And then you really have Ron Perlman as uh, Candlewick's father. Candlewick's played by Finn Wolfhard. He's kind of the Lampwick, Candlewick, you know, kind of character from the Disney character. But uh, yeah, Ron Perlman as Podesta, he's um, this like fascist government official uh, who wants Pinocchio to be a soldier. Because he's like, "Uh, wait, you can't die? Then you should be hired into the army. So again, this kind of dark stuff where it's more of a realistic take even though there is this element of, oh, it's a puppet come to life. Also kind of funny, we also have uh, a voice animator royalty, Tom Kenny, the original voice of yeah. SpongeBob, playing a couple different roles, but even Benito Mussolini in there, which I thought that was very funny reading up on that, that he has a couple roles in here. Yeah, I would say ultimately the highlight of this is it's the imagination that Del Toro brings and it's the stop motion animation. It's just gorgeous to watch. Uh, sometimes you forget that like these kind of movies... It has to be like step by step that they move, you know, 
or put different heads on the puppets and you know the the claymation all that kind of stuff it's just kind of fascinating when you think like how it's all made and there's just some shots that are gorgeous i think that's the thing is you can you can look at this movie and go like oh del toro really knows what he's doing when it comes to directing um with yeah. with his co-director mm-hmm. mark gustafson um i will say one thing i was kind of shocked about um there is quite a bit of music in this movie um even to the point where i'd say it's almost you could call it almost like a musical like in a disney way a lot of the songs sounded the same and i think the hard thing for me was the young boy gregory man who plays pinocchio he a lot of the songs he has to sing in this kind of high falsetto you know really to play up the young boy element and a lot of that you you i missed a lot of the lyrics um overall uh now, Alexandra, Alexandra, God, Alexander Desplat is the composer who's done some of the best, you know, scores ever. And most recently for Del Toro did The Shape of Water. I think there's some great music in this. And again, I think some of the songs helped tell the story. I just kind of sometimes it was hard for me to hear um, what the lyrics were because of the, the high pitched singing. But uh, I really do think the the fantasy and the fun of this, it's a little dark. And I was kind of surprised how long it was. This this movie sits just at two hours. Yeah. And when it's like a fantasy fairy tale like this, I kind of wish it was a little shorter. So I think... Especially if you want to bring some of the kids to this, you know, with shorter attention spans. Yeah, I think the second half especially, although it's got some great stuff in it, you lose kind of the song element. And it's uh, for the artistry, the voice cast, for the directing, and for the unique placement of the story against fascist Italy. I'm going to give Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio 8 out of 10. I'm going to go the same 8 out of 10 for me, again, for length and, uh, you know, some of the stuff with the singing, we could have had maybe a different vo- uh, voice actor for the singing parts. But you can check this out yourself. Tell us what you think. Give us your input and what you think of Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, which you can find that streaming now on Netflix. And that was this edition of Potential Picks. Thanks for listening to The Potential Podcast. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The Potential Podcast or on Twitter at The Potential Pod. Or you can email us. Send us your positive feedback and thoughts, suggestions, and more through our email, thepotentialpodcast at yahoo.com. I'm your host, Chris Dewar. And I'm your host, Taylor Sokol. Stay tuned for more episodes on pop culture, entertainment, and nerdum. And remember, know know your your potential. potential.